The theme for the afternoon uh, talk is the intimacy of emptiness. It's not unusual for us in our day-to-day life to try to find some balance between being conscious what we think about and the world that we live in and we feel that if we can be more mindful and see more clearly that and understand things better that out of the mindfulness out of the observation there will come about a more balanced perception and relationship to our thoughts, our ideas, our past, our present and our whatever our future might be. And certainly in the process of giving attention to things, meditating, observing, watching carefully, being the witness, as is said in the Eastern tradition, really can help enormously to stabilise ourselves, to have more of a balance. But it would be a pity, and we would rather be selling ourselves short if we felt that the yardstick, the measurement of a good life is a balanced life and that we live a balanced life from one day to the next and we are much more challenged than that one of the things and that happens for us is that we sometimes say in English see through a glass darkly, meaning that at times in the view and the perception of things there is a recognition of something problematic, something which is not clear. And this is creating some waves or disturbances inwardly and the consequences are outwardly as well. And these uh, disturbances we, we notice and we see. And it's often quite clear to us as well that the problem, and it's been touched upon over the days, is much easier to recognize than the application of the solution. Because the tendency is to show more intimacy with the problem than with its destruction with its ending and one would have thought when we look at ourselves that if we had some intelligence which is always questionable that the obvious thing would be here there is some disturbance in the perception It's not making my life easy. Therefore, 
I'm going to do something about it. But it's often, there is a disturbance in my perception, I don't like it, but I'm too busy to do anything about it. What is it going, that's going to move us in such a way that it really fires us, energizes us, to really looking at what a real transformed perception or a transformed view is all about. And that might mean asking a very simple question to ourselves. Am I really interested in transformation or am I only interested in recognizing a problem which has not been resolved? Because our thought is a terrible cheater, misleader, deceiver. For this tradition it's called Mara, the devilish mind. Because the thought will intimate to us in our kind of odd intimacy with thought that of course I don't want to go on being like this. Of course I want it to change. Of course I don't want to worry, suffer, feel alienated, disconnected, problematic life. And because the thought says this, and the thought repeats itself to oneself, to every other poor sod, therapists, meditation teachers and all, is no indication, no clue, no confirmation that one is interested in change, just because the thought says it. Sometimes, because the thought says it, it's a real proof that actually one's not interested in change. This is the cheat, the misleader, the throw of the dice of thought. So, change doesn't come from thought. It doesn't come from that area of the inner life. And once we begin to recognize that, then perhaps some kind of change or shift has to be made where we actually ask ourselves, where is it going to come from? What is really going to make the difference? And one of the strange, one of the things which we are dreadfully um, conditioned in our thinking is all problems are solved by attending to them. Oh, it should be so nice and easy. All problems are solved by attending to them. But the one who attends to the observer, the witness, the experiencer, the meditator, however we call it, isn't free. So, there is a movement that goes on, and it can be, and it can happen, that 
the one who notices the problem that's going on inside wait for it is the problem now what? <laughs> Undertending? No, I can see their heads shaking. <laughs> Don't shake too hard, it'll roll off your shoulders. <laughs> one says, whoever one says to, one says to oneself, one says to others, one says to one's therapist, you know, the whole army of helpers. I have a problem. There is a problem within me, in my life. I am looking at this problem. I'm really aware of it. I'm very, very clear about it. And with remarkable dexterity, one is able to give an extremely perceptive, clear description of the problem. There is this problem, and I see this problem, and I want to change it, to stop it, to finish with it. I'm fed up with it. And the Buddha comes along and says the only thing worth doing in life is resolving problems. Because we have to live with ourselves. And, as I say, the one who is looking at the problem could be the problem. Because what we don't see with the self, with the I, with all our so-called intimacy with ourself, which is another fiction, but whatever. Is that the witness of, the experiencer of, doesn't come alone. It comes with the issue. It arises together. There is the problem and the owner of the problem. They're not two different events, it's the same event which is going on. The observer and what's observed is happening together. The experiencer and the experience is going on together. So every time one says, I have a problem, then the problem is, I have a problem. <laughs> the self, the observer, the witness, the, the noticer, is the problem. It is the problem. But we're told, because we've been told for forever and ever. Oh, if there is a problem, one has to go to the problem. One has the mind almost of, dare I say, the doctor, where one goes to it and either, what do we do with the problem? We either try and poison it, you know, the sick, or, that's not strong enough, we try and burn it out, if we're sick, radiation, meditation, radiation. And if that's not good enough, we'll try and cut it out. Surgery. This is the triple gem of the profession. Apologies for <laughs> Simplicity of all of this. Poison, burn, and cut, or cut out. One of the three. And we can easily bring the same mindset so-called problem. I have a, a big problem with this person. I've projected a lot onto her or him. I've uh, built them up in my life. I've become very dependent on her or him or whatever. I'm caught up in it, whatever it, it might be. So, 
it's got big in my consciousness. This person or this job or this situation or my future, it's got big in my consciousness. And it's got so big in my consciousness, I can barely think about anything else. And the very size of it means that the self arises with it and says, I've got to do something about it. I've got to get rid of it in some way or other. My very desire to get rid of it, to cut it down, to cut it out, to stop it, my very desire to get rid of it is the problem. Is the problem. I, as we say in English, I shoot myself in the foot in order to go walking. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so hard for the inner life to see that the issue is supported and fed and nourished and maintained by the desire to stop, to get rid of. I'm in the sad position as a human being of living with a fire, put his words here, living with a fire inside of myself and thinking the only way I can put this fire out is by putting some more wood on it. Such a phenomenon. And no wonder we can't get rid of it. Because the very desire holds together the experiencer with the experience. It is the link between the two. I feel disconnected. I'm living in a town, I'm living in a village, I'm working in a factory, I'm going to school, I'm, uh, uh, I'm in a relationship, I'm married, I'm unmarried. I've got an issue with my parents, brothers, sisters, mothers, aunts, uh, teacher, Sanger, blah, 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 blah. And, in the duality of it, it's impressing itself on me. And then, arises, to hold it up, is the desire. Is the desire. And the desire is the frame for these two, whatever the issues is, to stay together. And they loom large, and the stronger the desire, the bigger the issue. The size of the problem is determined by the size of the desire. One desire could be, I've got to get rid of it. It could be the power of the desire, and therefore that, that's what holds it up. The stronger the desire, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Getting bigger and bigger. (laughs) The other desire is um, the desire not to do anything about it. The desire of avoidance. The desire of, it doesn't matter. It's a desire. And that very desire is a desire to turn one's back on it. To uh, escape. Which means the desire will be around and keep haunting the issue because we cannot deceive ourselves very long. 
you and I, we can keep putting off a problem morning, noon and night and it will come round. Like, like Mr. Einstein said, if you and I pick up a stone, could be rather strong, even, even Superman can do this, and, throw, and have the desire to throw it so hard that away from, away from us. In the infinite movement of the universe, eventually, you have to be around for a long time, but it will come. <laughs> the stone will go so far that way, eventually in the movement of the universe it would have to come round <laughs> and hit us right on the back of the head. And I think most of us have known when there has been the desire to avoid or deny or escape or run away from, in some way or other it will come round and bang on the back of their head. It will land at some point. There is no escape. Life moves in its own mysterious cycles. So you say, wow, if I have the desire to keep and make it a problem, it builds it up. If I have the desire to escape from it, run away from it, it's, it's avoidant, I can't run away from it too long, eventually it would come round and be straight back where it was before. The names may change, whatever. Desire to be in one relationship, oh, I can't stand this relationship, I'm getting out of here as quickly as I can. One takes flight, and then a new name and form comes, and it's the same. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Just different name and form. <laughs> so, sometimes, the Dharma teachings, sometimes go on a kind of different route. I will get back to the subject, I promise, of intimacy and emptiness. <laughs> emptiness just <laughs> don't go away. <laughs> but sometimes we look, and in the priority, maybe it is to take an interest in what is not that. And the Buddha uses a beautiful one line here. He says, one is mindful of what is present, and one is equally mindful of what is not present. As we explored yesterday, when something is present to me, in the very moment, something is not present. The more one thing is present for me, the more something, other things are not present. And this puts my life into one hell of a mess. Because I get so conscious of what's present. And instead of what is not present. So, as you were just listening earlier in the inner circle, I concentrate on one thing, and I think, oh, I have an issue around this one thing, one person, one situation. Maybe I need to open up my connection to more to what is not present than to keep trying to resolve what is present. Maybe my intimacy in one area, it doesn't matter who it is or what it is, is drawing away from, depriving away from another area. 
And therefore, my exploration in life is to bring out the expanse of life. And as one person wisely pointed out, that might mean that my uh, clarity and insight comes by developing something which has not been developed. In this case, called connection. Called connection. I've got to move to that which I have not known, not explored, not connected with, develop a connection and all the ways that we can connect with another with persons, with places, with Mother Earth and forests and trees and flowers and sky and people and many things. And if connectedness becomes a theme of life which is true to how things are, all things are connected, perhaps this will change the distortion in one area. You understand? If I'm so much on this, it's such a problem in my life, I've tried this problem, I've tried to work with this problem, but I'm recognising I've got so much desire to resolve it, the experience of the issue is the problem. I can't look at it, I can't, the perceiver can't see it clearly enough because the perceiver is so charged up with rubbish that when the perceiver looks at the object, it distorts it. It can't see it any longer, any clearly. The very perception arises, even in the best of perceptions, there's going to be a little impact. But, when the desire is there, the impact is even much more strong. So maybe, maybe, if I look at myself, then I have to look outside of the perceiver and what is perceived and the desire. Look around it. What is being forgotten? What is being neglected? What is not connected with? And my interest must go there as a way to find, dare I use the word, given what I said earlier on, balance with what's present, the issue. The issue. Let us say, as a person, as a human being, sometimes we, we listen to the story of the the man's relationship with the dog. I, I, it, it's one little story told the whole of this talk, really. Some painful experience in the past called childhood. It left an impression. Dog, aggressive one, means, means dogs are aggressive. From the particular to the general. And then there's fear, avoidance, um, going to India, what do you call those jabs? The, um, 
What was the word? Rabies. Rabies, jabs, injections, or whatever. Sitting on the beach, doing his pranayama, mindfulness of breathing in and out, making sure that there was some clear space around. <laughs> doing his meditation, doing his pranayama, and, unknown to him, through the back, round the back, comes the dog. Round the back. Can you imagine what would have happened if the dog had come round the front? <laughs> Pranayama, over. <laughs> Full lotus posture, finished. <laughs> Flight up the beach, quick, etc. The resolution came through a completely unexpected, unplanned, undesired, unthought-out way. Wonderful. All that it felt was this dog doing its pranayama behind his back, <laughs> feeling the heat, and then, as one likes to do, sharing its nature on the beach with human beings by having a good sleep, which is what beaches are for. <laughs> and so sometimes, all of our efforts to keep clear, to protect ourselves, all our desires not to have a problem, doesn't make any difference. Resolution comes through the unexpected. It tends to come through the unknown. And the proof of it is that every leaf on the tree is different and it's recognised. This is the intimacy. Understand? From the particular, it was this dog, when I was a child, attacked me. So it went from, all dogs are threatening. One is broken out of the spell. In the breaking out of the spell, a dog is a dog, is a dog, is a dog. There will still be the odd threatening dog. I remember being in Missouri, not Missouri, America, in, uh, no thank you, in, um, in Himalayas. I was a monk in a place called Happy Valley, where Tibetans live. Nice valley, reasonably happy. And others, while walking along, this huge dog jumped out at me and bit a lump out of my backside. I mean, I thought, whoa, bloody... There. And... And then walked off with, the dog walked off feeling, I think, extremely triumphant. <laughs> <laughs> Triumph. Victory. Got a Westerner. <laughs> <laughs> it was revenge on all that the English had inflicted on India, you see. <laughs> 
So it meant that for the next ten days, I had to watch the dog, just in case it was rabid. It wasn't. So sometimes the event takes place, the impression is left, as I mentioned, and from the particular goes to the general. Part of the reason has been because we haven't developed an intimacy in looking at leaves. If we had given more time in our life to looking at a leaf, as somebody mentioned, and then looking at another leaf, and another leaf, and it was really clear to us that no two leaves are the same. And couldn't carry the impression. We've not spent enough time giving attention to what matters. And this has been our painful undoing. We live in our own little world. Particulars to generalizations. And this capacity, very beautiful and liberating and illuminating capacity, is the seeing of the emptiness, as the beautiful report from sitting on the beach, and seeing the emptiness of dogs and threat going together. The seeing the emptiness of it didn't reject all dogs, didn't deny all dogs, it didn't say, all dogs are threatening. It still acknowledges mindfulness with certain dogs. But the seeing the emptiness of the, through, through the generalization, that is liberating. And this brings about immediately more intimacy with the animals. Get it? Say again. <laughs> I live in a picture called Dogs Are Threatening. Dogs could, could be it could be dogs. It could be spiders. It could be men. It could be money. It could be job, women, kids. You know, anything can be. And <laughs> I leave you to decide what your story. And I look at it, and I have a picture, an image, and the image. I carry with me, keep going back to the story from the good man, and the image I keep carrying with me. And what I see is through the memory, it's through the past, it's not fresh, it's old. And I want to be really fresh, to really see. Therefore, I will see, and I will be clear, this leaf is not the same as the leaf next to it. Because I've taken the time to notice the different leaves. I've placed the power of attention on that. And I can't say any longer, oh, just leaves on trees. Because I've looked at leaves on trees. I've really looked at them. I've given them attention. I've, I've put the perception to them. I said, wow. That's extraordinarily different. Nothing, no two leaves are the same. And it's got so clear to me that though the dog might bite a chunk out of the backside, it doesn't arise, oh, dogs are a problem. Because I've looked at leaves. 
taken the time <coughs> to stop and look. And therefore it's the seeing of the emptiness of the picture, of the image, of what's being carried, which stops us connecting. We've got to see each other afresh, afresh, afresh. If I'm too much obsessing with one, whoever he, she, whatever may be, it's telling me I am forgetting all leaves on the tree are different. I'm forgetting to look outside of the one I've landed on. And I say we pay a price because exaggeration in one area is getting out of touch elsewhere. And it just keeps reflecting the interconnectedness. So the seeing of the emptiness of matters. Sometimes a person says, I've got this cancer, dealing with cancer. I'm dealing with this terrible pain. We just had recently a woman on the retreat. Got bone cancer. Could be this person's last retreat. The future is full of uncertainties in a way which you and I hardly know. The way she feels it. And in the midst of all of this, and in a one-to-one meeting, she came out with an extraordinary statement. My life is not really about cancer. My life, she said, my life is such that a little bit of it is about cancer. And she said, it's got so clear to me in my meditation that she said, the cancer is actually not in front of me anymore. It's behind me. Well, what happened there? Every time I looked at her, every time one of our co-teachers had I mean, there were several women on the retreat with cancer, every time one tended to see, as we've discussed already, we tended to see this is a person who has cancer. And it brings a lot of love and sensitivity because of the unknown about tomorrow, next week, or whatever. Something shifts. Something moves inside of the human being, this kind of liberating force, this emancipatory force that goes on, where she can say, cancer is only a little bit of my life. And it only affects little bits of my life from time to time. But cancer, she said, is actually behind me. So something can shift and move where that, which seems to be central every day, 
and so easily vulnerable to fears and obsession and worry and what might happen, etc. There's some kind of power, emancipatory power, liberating power, crucial power, which connects her with much more than this event called cancer. And suddenly the cancer in the consciousness starts getting smaller in the scheme of things. It fits in, as we kept on saying, to something much bigger than it is. If a person faced with cancer, who may only have days or weeks or months left, can say with such clarity and conviction and such awareness, this cancer is behind me, it's not in the centre of my life, because she's had a, a profound sense of what intimacy is all about, and what deep interconnectedness is all about, and what seeing through cancer is all about, seeing the emptiness of making it something. Whew, surely we can do it, with a, a few issues with our parents, <laughs> neighbours, ourselves, other partner, children, whoever. And this is where the seeing through and having the sense of something more than that. It's like when people on the retreat will say, Oh, Christopher, I've got such a pain in my knee, or a pain in my ass, or wherever they've got their pain. And if only I didn't have that pain in my knee, or if only I didn't have all these thoughts going on, or whatever, then things would be so clear I'd probably be liberated, enlightened and the Buddha of the Buddhas or something. And I just ask the simple question. Is there life outside your knee? <laughs> That's all. And then it says, yes. Good. Enough. That's all. Is there life outside the knee? When there isn't, the only reason there isn't is because the knee has been built up to be so big. It's not big. But it's been built up to be. And therefore, if you and I can see the emptiness of it, it naturally, naturally, the emptiness reveals deep connection or an intimacy with, bigger than the knee, bigger than the mind with a lot of self-doubt, bigger than the feeling of disconnection from one's neighbours, bigger than uh, uh, the, the feeling of my relationship with my sister or my mother or my son or my neighbour or whatever. Therefore the seeing the emptiness of reveals the intimacy with. And it seems to, in the heart, finally, to kind of loosen and um, lighten us up uh, a great deal. Because one's taken the time to look at leaves, leaves, yes, the metaphor, you can, yeah, as well as the fact. <coughs> Old forest monk's mind coming out this afternoon. <laughs> Having spent lots of time in the forest as a monk in Thailand, uh, did a lot of leaf meditation you see. and sometimes 
in the engagement and in the exploration and in the looking at the changes and the, at the particulars. It naturally, as I say, brings out a lot of natural love. Because they're not carrying anything. Not carrying anything. And when that shows itself, it may mean with a person or certain persons or certain places or certain situations I may feel at times a genuine deep intimacy with. Beautiful. Wonderful. It could be because of the history as one person pointed out. It could be spontaneous and immediate as another person uh, pointed out. Also, and equally, there are experiences which is of connection. And that also changes. Sometimes we feel deep connection, a little connection, no connection, deep intimacy with. Why not? Why not? Why not feel very close to one person and a bit less close to another and not especially close to another? Why not? Good life. Good being human. And sometimes we are not close and we will feel some distance from. Why? Because we feel with others close to. The one, as I have said with mantra-like enthusiasm for a whole week now, one confirms the other. I have not met a human being on this earth, and I have lived on it longer than most of you, (laughs) who is intimately connected with every devil on the earth. (laughs) It's it's an unrealistic fantasy. So in my sense of being a human being, intimacy with, interconnected with, not intimate with, not connected with. The movement and the whole movement doesn't have a problem in it. It, There is no problem in it. But when the desire gets going, not not feeling connected, no problem. Feeling a little connected, no problem. Feeling very connected, no problem. Feeling really intimately connected, no problem. It has to be. It has to be. And if we're not grasping and desiring over one more than the other, we say, this has to be, because it's in the nature of what emerges in perceptions. And if we really 
know the sweetness of this. Wonderful. Very free feeling. I don't have to feel connected with everybody. Not a problem being intimate with somebody. <laughs> it's not a problem not having any intimacy with anybody. None of it is a problem. It just emerges in the perceptions. And that ease, with it all, allows itself, allows the inner sense to be feel very free and joyful. Enough. May your beings explore intimacy. May all beings remember the differences of the leaves on the tree. May all beings abide freely. <laughs>